So this morning, as we go to the Word, and we'll continue blessing the Lord. Then our meditation should bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Yes, Lord, we will bless you always. Whether we feel it, whether we don't feel it, all that is irrelevant, Lord. Our feelings do not matter when it comes to you especially. You are worthy, you are worthy, you are worthy. To be praised, to be adored, to be blessed, always, Lord, always, always, always. We just thank you, we just thank you, we just thank you. This morning as we come to the word, Lord, speak to us. Your word is life. Your word is life. Life to us. We come for life. Knowledge, wisdom, understanding, revelation. Yes, Lord. But all that has to become life for us. It has to move from the head to the heart. And consume the inner man. Till it becomes our life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Speak to us, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Yes, I mean, you can make it rotate. It's okay. I don't need it on my face. So we've we been looking at, there are certain topics in the Bible which are more important than any other topic. And one of the topics we are looking right now is connected with that. We want the Holy Spirit. We want the various manifestation of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is put across to us, given to us in symbols, in symbols. Because of the way he works in our lives, we are not, shouldn't be satisfied like a lot of Pentecostals are just satisfied they speak in tongues. And they actually sometimes exhibit very little of the fruit. Okay? And uh, so the gift is one thing, the fruit is one thing. So the various manifestations of the Holy Spirit is there. And we've been looking at Elijah at Mount Carmel saying, uh, the God who answers by fire, he is God. So we see in the evening, when time for the evening sacrifice comes, it all begins. Restoration of Israel. Restoration of a person. Even the first act of salvation with God, but somebody who has fallen away, a restoration, all begins with that first step. Come near me. We need to take that step towards God. Sometimes we won't realize it is easier to take a step toward in on the surface of moon than to take a step towards God because of the barriers we ourselves built in our lives willfully or because of lack of understanding. Okay, So that one step towards God and then the first act he does is repairing the altar. Repairing the altar. And that's important. We don't realize the importance of an altar in a person's life. We saw about the people with altars in their life. Uh, Abel, the first man of faith, had an altar in his life. Enoch had an altar in his life. That's why he walked with God. Noah had an altar in his life. We see at the end, but that's just a model. That means he had a place where he met with God. Abraham had an altar in his life. Isaac had an altar. Jacob had an altar. So, And you also see the people who did not have altars. See, the altar can be either demonic or divine. But altar is a place where God meets a man, where he speaks to man. So the altar is important because in the new covenant, 
we learn from these old covenant truths and uh, we learn uh, the spiritual applications. The spiritual application is offer your bodies, and if you read verse 2, your minds too, as a living sacrifice. The thing is that you cannot have a sacrifice without an altar. Without an altar. Okay? You have to have a place where you meet with God. A place meaning a place, time. It's a spiritual truth. You have to meet with God. And that's where you offer. And the problem is, you cannot have an Old Testament altar. Old Testament altar, they had an altar. Old Testament altar. A lot of people in the Old Testament had altar. But that does not mean all the people in the Old Testament, including the rituals that was going on, all those people did not encounter God at the altar. What makes the altar different is, Abraham had an altar where God spoke to him. Where God spoke to him. That's what makes the altar different. You just can't have an altar which does not speak to you. Because it's very, very important that the altar speaks. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 23, verse 18 to 19. The nature of the altar we are talking. You say to whoever swears by the altar is not duty bound. But whoever swears by the offering on the altar, his oath is binding. Verse 19. You blind men, which is greater, the gift or the altar which makes the gift sacred? So imagine you and I offer ourselves as a living sacrifice on the altar. What sanctifies the gift? That's ourselves. It's the altar. What makes the offering sacred? It's the altar. How does the altar in the new covenant make the sacrifice or the gift sacred? Because it speaks. It speaks into our lives. And then we make corrections. And the Holy Spirit empowers us to make, the Holy Spirit who speaks empowers us to make those corrections and the gift is is sanctified or made sacred. Turn with me to another portion, that is Matthew chapter 5 and verse 23 and 24. Okay, and then we will go back to the what we were building. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there, remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. So you're bringing a gift to the altar. And this is a living altar. It's not a dead altar. It's a living altar. And when you come to the altar, the Holy Spirit speaks. The Holy Spirit speaks. And he tells you, you know what? There's a misunderstanding you between you and your wife. You and your brother. It's talking about relationships. And says, put that right and come back. You don't have to stop praying. You don't have to give up praying or praising or anything. But you know, I, I really want to take your prayer to the Father. I really want to lift your praise up to the Father. I really want it, want, uh, you know, to give you an answer for the need in your life. But before that, you know, before that, you know, there's something we need to do. So that's what we are talking about. We need to have an altar that speaks. Altar that speaks. And that's what we were looking at on on uh, Tuesday, right? On Tuesday, we were looking at the most important. See, our our salvation begins at the altar. Wherever. For me, my altar was a hostel room. 
in Murray Venice College in Trivandrum, the night at 11 in the night when I went on my, my knees and said, Lord Jesus, forgive me and come into my heart. That place became my altar. That became that place. Okay? And that's where your life begins, your real life begins, is by an act of forgiveness. The first thing God does in your life, when he, and you encounter God in your life, personally, the first thing he does is he forgives you. That's what happened in the Jerusalem. They were all out on the streets. I don't know where they were. From the upper room they came out. I'm not exactly sure the location of where it is. But 120 people stand over there and the people, they were all praying in tongues and everybody is hearing and then Peter preaches in, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the people cry out, Masters, what should we do? And Peter says, Repent and be baptized and you will receive what? The remission of your sin. So salvation begins with an act of forgiveness. You don't realize the importance. Where there is no forgiveness, there is no salvation. No. And the altar, what we, what we encounter at the altar is forgiveness. And, and then it is an ongoing journey of forgiveness. If any man says he is without sin, he makes God a liar. Okay, God is not going to reveal all our my sin or your sin. Doesn't matter how old we are in the Lord. He's not going to reveal everything to us. He will reveal as we go on. And there is this, that's why he says, my mercies are new every morning. So we have to look at it, the, the importance of it. Because this is where believers are stuck. And they are not moving forward. Because the, like, uh, like we uh, talk about, these are fundamentals to faith. Even if you don't know so many things and all, like David says, David is not a smart man like his son Solomon. But he finished his race, unlike his son. You don't have to be smart in the kingdom of God. You just need to be humble. Blessed are the smart. They shall go up in the kingdom. God does not say. You know, he says, the humble. You know, David is humble. Solomon is smart. But we know the ends of both of them. You know, what his father knew in the beginning of his life that fear God and obey all his commands, his son learned only at the end. That's the difference between a smart man and a humble man. Okay? He always feared God. You look in the beginning of his life, he feared God. He feared God. Okay, So that's what God is talking about. So Psalm 130 and verse 4, we just look a few verses and go further on. 3030 and verse 4. For there is forgiveness with you, that you may be feared. It's interesting, right? You may be, I mean, you, that's not in the world. Oh, he may be feared because there is no forgiveness in him. We fear the people who won't forgive us. God's different. There is forgiveness with you, that you may be feared. There is, you know, I mean, he's a just judge, a righteous judge, a God of wrath, a consuming fire, but there is forgiveness in him with you. There is forgiveness with you. Isaiah 55 and verse 7. There is forgiveness with you. Let the wicked forsake his way. The unrighteous man, his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. God says, don't change my nature. This is who I am. I'm a merciful God. Okay, merciful God. There is a day of judgment set. After the day of judgment, then there is no more judgment. After that, we will only experience mercy and grace all through eternity. 
Okay. There will be no punishment after that. Yes, we will be still growing. We'll still be mercy and grace and mercy and grace. God says, this is I am. This is who I am. Luke 6 and verse 37. Luke 6 and verse 37. Judge not and you shall not be judged. Condemn not and you shall not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Okay? Okay. That itself is a whole day sermon. Okay. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 13. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. That's the, that's the problem. If it has written, even as James forgave you, it would have been easy. Even as Peter forgave you, it would have been easy. But the problem is even as Christ forgave you and he forgives you completely. So also you must. Okay? So we remember the Lord's prayer. Forgive us our debts as we forgive them those who debt against us or those who trespass against us. And then he comes back at 6.14 and 15 because I want to make a, make it very clear here to believers. Don't get, don't get, uh, get it wrong there. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Okay? Now please get this right. You have to always look at context. You have to read the entire Bible and put it together. Otherwise, you will run with it and get your entire theology wrong. Now, Jesus is not talking here about salvation. If we are saved only if we have forgiven everybody in life, then I earned my salvation. I'm saved by works. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 is very clear. No man will boast before God. You are saved by grace and grace alone. So what is he talking about? He's talking about that forgiveness that leads to peace, to reconciliation and wholeness in life. And a lot of people don't understand the difference. There are a lot of people who are saved but are tortured in their souls. They are tormented in their souls. They are miserable people. Miserable. Miserable. Okay. And that's what God is talking about. I will allow the tormentors. I'll hand you over to the tormentors. Until you have paid it all. And most, most people pay it all at their deathbed. And they will say, okay, I forgive all. God says, well, you could have done it earlier. You didn't have to come this, to this point. You didn't have to get into your sick bed and every organ is failing. You've got this tube through your nose and now you're ready to forgive. You could have lived long and well. There was no need for this. And that's what God is talking about. They torment, they are not able to sleep, and they are anxious and worry. And That's what he's talking about. They have no friends, they have no real fellowship, they are not able to communicate with anybody. And if you look at it, it's got to do with something in their mind. Their minds are messed up. And it's simply because they do not forgive. And that's what Jesus is talking about, our daily life. In Matthew 18, verse 21 and 22. So keep that in mind, okay? Please don't, if you have repented and asked God for mercy and the Spirit of God cries out from within you, Abba, Father, you are saved. Don't question your salvation. Your salvation is a supernatural, divine act of God. It's got nothing to do. It's got nothing to do with uh, your, uh, with, uh, it's what overflowing. 
Okay. Uh, it's got nothing to do with you or me doing. It's got to do with God. God looks into our heart, sees we are real with whatever we know at that point of time, and he saves us. And then as we go on, God keeps on saving us. So we are saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. But the sanctification work stops. I'm telling you, sanctification work in most people do not stop because they sin. <laughs> it stops because they don't forgive. Everybody sins. Everybody sins. But they don't forgive. They don't forgive. And that's what God is talking about. So you will see is that people in Matthew 18, 21, 22, Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him up to seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. He says, until it becomes your life. You don't hold resentment. You don't hold it in your heart. You just let go. Okay. Otherwise, what will happen? You will be tormented at home, at office, at church. No, even if you are in church, you are like isolated. You're not able to communicate fellowship in your home, you know, in your office. That's what God is talking about. And then what happens is people are either not either angry, bitter, full of resentment. You know, all these things people don't realize. All these things is an offshoot of unforgiveness. If you forgive, one of the most beautiful things is you can have a peaceful life. It's irrelevant what others do to you. You can have a peaceful life. You can avoid more sicknesses. Okay. One of the fundamentals, because everything we should learn the lessons. One of the lessons we still haven't learned from the pandemic, six months on, six months on pandemic, if you look at it, look at 81-year-old. John MacArthur standing there and preaching with no mask on and his congregation, hardly anybody wearing a mask. And at 81, he should be in his closet, in his basement like Joe Biden and never coming out. It's not ill. It's not afraid. You need to have faith and you need to have facts. Faith, I'm under the blood and I'm not going to die before my time. Two, I've run my race well. I've lived my life well. There's no disease in my body. There's no disease in my body where I have to fear, fear these things because I've taken care of my body. I'm, I, I've eaten healthy. Eaten healthy. No? I've eaten. And this is one of the fundamental things people forget. You know, God gave us a body and he said, that's my temple. But take care of my body. It's not even my body. It is his body. Take care of it. Eat healthy. And one of the, if you look at the two spectrums of people who are dying of COVID, the old, and there are young people who are dying. The young ones who are dying are drug addicts. Drug addicts. And the old ones who are dying have got a lot of complications. So a lot of these complications could have been avoided. And one of the major reasons of complications are, it's got to do with unforgiveness and anger and bitterness and resentment. And it causes all these diseases. And of course, you have to eat well too. You can eat the best food in the world and have a bitter soul and still be sick. Because everything has a spiritual root. So when God is telling us something, he's not condemning us. Now, when you go to a doctor and the doctor gives you a prescription, you don't look at the doctor as if, uh, well, there's a joke in Malayalam, when a patient went to the doctor and the doctor checked his whole history out and said, you should not eat eggs, you should not eat meat, you should not, and he saw the patient's face was getting angrier and angrier and angrier. And he finally burst out and said, so what, do you want to eat all my fish and meat? And the doctor, 
<laughs> he's just prescribing you the medicine. Okay, he's just prescribing. God says, if you eat it, you'll be well. You take my advice, it's good for you. Okay, it does not affect God. It affects us, you and me. So, no. So, when Jesus is saying, it will give you what it gives you, peace. That's what I said, the word of God is health to a whole man's body. Proverbs 4, Solomon will say, it's health to a whole man's body, to walk in forgiveness. Otherwise, you know what? Marriages, that's the closest. The home, next closest. Church, the spiritually, the next closest. The office, you live life with resentment. Now let's come to Mark 11, verses 24 to 26. It was one of the things, like tomorrow morning we'll have prayer. And we get so many prayer requests, okay? We all pray. Why do we pray? Because we have a need. We are not praising. That's a different thing. We praise God, but everybody prays. Even the one who doesn't praise, prays. <laughs> he prays. He prays because he has a need, right? When Peter was sinking, he didn't say, hallelujah. He said, Lord, help me. <laughs> okay, he prayed. Okay. <laughs> he prayed. <laughs> okay. He prayed. And God, Jesus did not give him a lecture. He pulled him out. Okay. And then gave him a lecture. Okay. That's, that is Jesus. Okay. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Okay. He says, when you pray, you should believe. What you are asking, you will receive. You must believe. He says, okay. And then he says, okay. Again, like the other one. Now you are bringing your gift to the altar. So at every point, God brings the same issue back to our minds. He says, this is important to me. We will say, Lord, you don't know my need. God says, you don't know what is blocking it. You don't know what is blocking it. So we have to come to that. Whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. That your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. So if he doesn't forgive, he doesn't hear the rest of the prayer. Okay, now go to verse 25. We'll read it again. Let's read it together. And? 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 Whenever. 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 It's not giving a kind of example. If you, he doesn't say if you pray. He said when you pray. Whenever you pray. Whenever you pray. Whenever you pray. If you have anything against anyone. How will he know? The Spirit will tell you. Whenever you pray. Don't take that word out. Whenever, whenever, whenever. <coughs> you see, our prayers if they are real, have to be animated by the Holy Spirit. Only He can take our prayers to God. He is the one who searches our heart. He is the one who searches the Father's heart. When He searches the Father's heart, He looks for the will of the Father for us. When He searches our heart, He looks for offense against somebody else. That's how it works. Whenever you pray, we are not talking about soulish prayer. Soulish prayer is only connected with your wants. We are talking about spiritual prayers. When it is spiritual prayers, 
it focuses on what I really need. And the Holy Spirit always will focus what I really need. What do I really need? You and I really need forgiveness first, more than anything else. We need forgiveness first. And God says, I want to forgive you. But the problem is, you see, there is something in your heart. That's what Peter is asking. Seven times? He said, no, son, not seven times. It has to become your lifestyle. It has to become your lifestyle. When you stand to pray, no, whenever you stand to pray, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. Jesus is not a preacher. He's somebody who lives it out. So even when he's hanging on the cross, he begins with forgiving. And these are his enemies. They're all mocking him, scorning him, abusing him. All this set of people. And he begins with that act, Father. Forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. He begins with that. Okay. So that's why God has given that parable of Matthew 18, which we looked last uh, last uh, Tuesday. Or rather, this Tuesday. Jesus is talking about, we will never even in eternally fully fathom how much God has forgiven us. How completely and how totally God has forgiven us. Every sin of ours, not only forgiven, paid that agonizing price for it. And he says, you need to let go also. You also need to let go. Otherwise, what will happen? You will be tormented. Tormented, tortured souls. You will never become whole. Never become whole. So today, we look a little detail on what is not forgiveness. Because sometimes people get confused because this is the things you need to know when God is talking about something. What is it? Because we are talking to people who have been abused like no man's business. People who have come through trauma. People who have come through all kind of junk which cannot be even talked about. And News media will always glorify stuff. Glorify stuff. Now, one guy was shot in, I forgot which place it was, Jacob Blake was shot dead. Not shot dead, he was shot seven times, he's paralyzed, he's in the hospital. Over that, another riot started. And suddenly media makes Jacob Blake into a saint. But Jacob Blake, actually what he did cannot be even spoken in a public forum. What he actually did, so sick what he did, what he did, okay, he was a sexual offender, and he was on the police, this thing, and he was, he, the police was called to help out, okay, but the problem is, it's, it doesn't work that way with God, okay, it doesn't work that way with their God, okay, they have made him as if he was a victim, he was not a victim, he was the offender there, of course, I don't know why you have to shoot somebody seven times. I don't understand that part. Maybe it was an automatic. I don't know. Whatever it is. You don't have to shoot somebody seven times. Once is enough. If you have to shoot. What I'm saying is that don't let media change the narrative. Okay? So we need to understand what is forgiveness and what is not forgiveness. When God says forgive your brother, your sister, anybody, whatever they have done, it is not acting or pretending that it never happened. That is not forgiving. 
that is what we call repression. You are repressing it. It will become a wound that never heals. It will fester inside. You are not pretending something never happened. That's not what God is saying. God doesn't play pretend. No, mommy, daddy, children play. No, let us play. He doesn't play pretense. You are not pretending something never happened. It was real. You have to face it. It is real. It is real. You know. If you repress it as if it never happened, what will happen is it will be an wound. And the problem with the wound is that a festering wound is that. We know it in our body. A festering wound, a painful wound will immediately define our walk. Right? And it doesn't matter what it is. Even if it is your small toe. Hammer falls on that small toe, the whole body, you know, after that is taking the weight to give some peace to that toe. That's the nature. So something terrible has happened to you or was not happened done to you. You have to deal with it. So forgiving does not mean you're pretending it never happened. And the problem is when you pretend what has happened, if, especially if it is traumatic for a child or something traumatic, what happens is your soul splits. Your soul splits. What the Freemasons, the FMs do is they do it forcibly but even otherwise when children go through trauma their their that's that's a coping mechanism god has given to the mind unable to handle that pressure that trauma so they start pretending and they tell stories of what actually happened and they create a completely different narrative of what happened because you have split because you cannot live with it you cannot live with it so you, your coping mechanism is because you are too weak, you break. You break. Okay? So God is not. So God is not telling you to repress or he's not out there to break you. He's there to heal the broken hearted. He puts you together. Okay? So he's not asking you to repress. Okay? He's not asking you to repress. Because you and I can truly forgive only when we have truly admitted something happened to us. How can you forgive somebody when you don't acknowledge that somebody did something to you? No? Because you need forgiveness. The wound is there. If you don't really acknowledge it, you cannot forgive. If you are not forgive, you do not get healed. Look at uh, Genesis 50-20. 5020. Okay. But as for you, you meant evil against me. He's, he's not whitewashing it. No, he's not. No. It's not. He said, You meant evil against me. But God meant it for good. How could God use it for good? Does all evil that has happened to all men become good for people? No. We say all things work together for the good of those who love Christ Jesus and call according to his purpose. Does it happen? No. It happens to only to people who choose to forgive their oppressors. Only to people who choose to forgive their oppressors. Otherwise, it will not work for your good. That very thing will take you down. Will take you down. That will become your downfall. Okay. Please understand, don't take our words in isolation and then say it will work for me. No. It does not work for you unless you follow the other 
parts that are attached to it. That's why I don't pick promises from the Bible and say, that's my promise, I'm going to name it and claim it. God says, son, you can name it, claim it. It still is not going to come to pass because you have to live it. You have to live it. So he says, you meant for evil. But he forgave their evil. He forgave his evil. He acknowledged it. He didn't repress it. He had forgiven. Right in the beginning he had forgiven. Otherwise he won't, God won't be with an unforgiving man in Potiphar's household and take him to the top. He's a forgiving man. So God is with him. Okay, understand. So the first thing is that please remember, when you have something done against you by somebody, we're talking about somebody, don't pretend it never happened. Deal with it. Deal with it. It's a real thing that happened. Deal with it and forgive that person. Acknowledge it happened to you and forgive that person. Don't play pretense. Don't repress it. It will become a festering wood. The faster you choose to forgive, the faster your healing is. You now, old days and wounds and all were bandaged and these days they say leave it open. <laughs> Science has changed, no? Old days was that all happening so much and that was a great wood. This thing simple when you go to school and college and all this thing. Nowadays the doctor says leave it open. I remember one of my friends from US many years ago, he had a fracture. And he sent me the picture. I almost had a shock when I saw it. Because you could see all that steel things and all this thing. And then I checked with my brother. I said, how come it is all? He says, no, that's the way we do things now. It heals very fast. <laughs> okay. It heals very fast. Okay. So God says, you know, the faster you open it up, deal with your wound, forgive that person, the faster God can heal you. Don't repress it. Don't represses. Don't play pretense. Okay? Second thing. Forgiving is not excusing what the other person did. You and I don't have to make excuses why it was okay for the other person to do it. Or maybe I should not have worn that coat of multicolors which my father gave me. Maybe that is what set them up. Don't make excuses. Don't make excuses for bad behavior. Don't make excuses. Okay? And that's what is happening in the world now. Everything is excuse. Everything is excuse. Okay? That's what the blue city's advice in the beginning was. This is anger. Let it burn out. 101 days, it's still not burned out. Okay? 100 and and they make excuses. And you cannot allow that. Young people looting. Oh, that's okay. Our forefathers were looted. No. No, it doesn't work. It doesn't work that way. They are sowing their own destruction by the very act. You have to hear what the secular media, the excuses they make for that behavior. The excuses. Okay. And God says, don't make excuses. Don't make excuses for somebody's behavior. Okay? Was it okay what they did? No. You're not repressing it. You're not making excuses. Joseph does not say it was okay what you did. He says, you did it for evil. But God turned it around for good. That's a different story altogether. Okay? It's not that I understand what you're going through. Don't make excuses. 
because people because then you are not really helping them i'm telling you i go through this it almost every week with this council no i did because he did he did because she did it simply doesn't work like that it simply doesn't work like that you know simply doesn't work like that you don't make excuses okay to forgive a sin you do not approve sinful behavior when you make excuses you are saying it is okay <laughs> it is okay okay just because man is fallen that doesn't mean he has to lie on the ground there are people in the old testament who walked with god with the fallen nature so don't make excuses okay so the first thing is stop pretending don't pretend that it never happened then you will never address that issue that happened in your life bring it to the open deal it with god and it is gone if it is somebody has to be dealt with deal with that person it is gone second don't make excuses for somebody else's behavior okay especially parents when your children goof up don't make excuses you are not helping them you are not helping them i'm telling you you are not helping them you're not helping them at all because we have loads and loads of children coming from broken homes your parents home may be broken that does not excuse your behavior joseph came from the most dysfunctional family a father with four wives and his mother is dead his 10 brothers are crooks and he walked straight so don't make excuses don't make excuses okay the prodigal son's father did not make excuses and bent backwards to accommodate his son he said you can go can go okay so we be very careful about these things because god does not make excuses anyone who looks at the name of at the face of jesus can walk free he's paid the agonizing price for every sin every man has committed so don't make excuses okay so please remember forgiveness is not pretending something that happened second it is not making excuses for what happens is the other person will not change other person will not change you see let us say in the usual the most difficult relationship on earth is the husband and the wife most difficult because that's called to be the most closest see it's easier for corit and boom to forgive the the guard at the concentration camp who is just a face without a name for a husband or a wife to forgive the one who sleeps next to him or her okay we look at that incredible act of forgiveness she met him once she is never going to see him again but this one is there with you all your life and that's where the struggle is that is where the struggle is okay so the problem is sometimes what happens is we confuse we confuse we confuse and we you know we tolerate we tolerate God says that's not what forgiveness is you do not approve of sinful behavior to forgive you're not approving of it you choose to forgive because God forgave you and you don't have to approve of that sinful behavior okay third thing to understand please listen carefully this is where most believers go wrong and they struggle they are tormented because if you accept a lie as truth that very lie which is not truth accepted as truth will torment you right 
Dr. Richard is here. Let us say Sammy has got a fever and he gives him two tablets. By mistake, Dr. Uh, Richard gave him medicine, but it was not for his fever. It was to clean your stomach out. And he took the wrong medicine. Now he's thinking this is true, but all he's doing is running to the loo. <laughs> and his fever is not going. And a lot of people have received a lie as truth and say, Lord, why am I still tormented? Though I have forgiven. Listen carefully. This is the one of the, this is the most important part of Christian relationship. Okay? Remember I am talking to believers. Even if unbelievers take these principles, it works. Because these are kingdom principles. Forgiving is not reconciliation. Forgiving takes only one person. Reconciliation takes two persons. God has forgiven all mankind in Christ Jesus. But to be reconciled to God, each man personally has to seek his forgiveness and receive it. That's reconciliation. There's not a single man from Adam till the last who has not been forgiven by God. For God sent his son, not to condemn, but to save. When Jesus died on the cross, he died for all mankind. So forgiveness is connected with one person. Reconciliation is connected with two. So to forgive, it takes only you. And Jesus is hanging on the cross. He's forgiving. Reconciliation will take another 50 days. And that to only 3,000. 120, 11, 120, 3,000. Slowly going. And most people won't get reconciled. That's why I keep selling. Hell is full of forgiven sinners. Never got reconciled with God. So when you are talking about forgiveness... You can forgive someone and it doesn't matter what they have done to you. Even if they continue to hate you. Are you getting the picture? That's how Joseph lived 13 years. Otherwise he would have been a tormented soul as a slave and as a prisoner. Tormented soul. But he forgave. To forgive it takes only to reconcile, it takes two. See, let me tell you from experience, as a servant of God, as a pastor, I have seen all kind of junk happening, families, homes, churches and all. I've seen two people getting divorced and one walking free and the other tormented till the last day. And how is it possible two people in a marriage gets divorced and one is walking with God and the other is tormented because one chose to forgive and the other refused to forgive. Right? In every marriage where divorce takes place, usually both sides' fault is there and some sides, some sides' fault is even more. But sometimes you will see, like like I keep talking about, David walked away free and Ahithophel didn't. <laughs> right? 
If you look at David Psalm 51, you don't have to go there. David never mentions anybody there. He only mentions himself. He doesn't say, why did she have to bathe in the public? Why did she have to expose her nudity? Okay, I called her, but she doesn't have to come. doesn't say anything. It doesn't say anything. Hmm? What kind of man is Uriah? You've been away from your wife for so long, you should have gone and slept with her. All this hangama wouldn't happen. Not a word. Making no excuses for his behavior. Not repressing it down also. Oh, it's all okay. It is fine. Nobody knows. He's dead. She's my wife. Everything is okay. He's not. He's bringing it out. Dealing with it. Making no excuses for what he said. And he says, I can stand there alone and receive God's forgiveness. And I choose to forgive everybody else involved in it. And this is something which people need to understand. Forgiveness is not reconciliation. You forgive so that you are reconciled with God. Reconciliation with man is a different matter altogether. With some you may, some may not want to be reconciled. May not even forgive you at all. One man sought God's forgiveness. Another man, he heard that and he not even bothered. He died unforgiven. Forgiveness was available for both. You know? So it does not matter what they have done to you. It didn't matter to what was done to Joseph. Because forgiveness is letting go of your resentment, your anger, your hurt, your bitterness, what was done to you. And you have no control how the other person may respond to you. But you definitely have control how you are going to respond. That is something which we all have. Please, please don't... uh, Please don't ever uh, make it so difficult. I mean, when it, this comes to, see, people people will say, I can, I can, I can, I can. When it comes to forgiveness, people will say, I can't. It's, it's nonsense. No? It's simply, when it comes to me, you have to sit with the people. No, I can't. I can never forget. I can never forgive. Is it true? Like I said on the, on uh, last week, Forgiveness is not an act of emotion. It's an act of your will. It's an act of your will. And people, everybody has strong will. Nobody has a weak will. What we say, weak will is a strong will towards evil. Everybody's will is strong. Nobody has a weak will. Okay, everybody. And with the will you make, that is the main part. I said before you, life and death, blessing and curses, you choose. To forgive or not to forgive, forgive life, unforgiveness, death. You choose. You can choose, God says. We cannot choose. Cannot choose. Then we have no will. Animals have no will. Like man. We have will. We have will. I was telling, no? Telling you both, you guys and 1984. Is when my timings changed because I went to college. It was shift system. So I had no class in the afternoon. So slept in the afternoon, sat up till one, two in the morning, then woke up late. Imagine 1984, 2020. How many years? 36 years. When I went to work, when I went to work in a government institution, I had a deal with my boss, my principal. 
I will take six hours in a row if you let me off in the afternoon to sleep. He said, deal, James. He was looking for somebody who would handle those classes. I said, I'll do that. Only thing, can I sleep? Can I sleep? Okay. In a government institution where the principal lets you go to go to your quarter and go sleep, and then you sit through the night. I mean, you, you are really, really. And then, like, you know, 10 days, 15 days, two weeks back, I've been this, been like, not tormenting, troubling me. Now, early in the morning, you read all the scripture and then you are not waking up in the morning. Then I said, Lord, will you please, I make this thing. I'm going to choose to wake up in the morning. I've never done this in my life. Wake up in the morning, except on a Sundays to prepare for the word. Will you please help me to wake up every day before four? You wake me up, I'll get up. And if you have noticed, without stop. Only thing sometimes like yesterday was 3.18, today was 2.30 in the morning. Okay, and I, okay. And then you turn around and sleep a lot. At 2.30 I'll sleep for one more hour, 3.30 I will wake up. And you realize it's not a difficult thing. 36 year habit can be stopped in one day. One day. Then the other thing was that 55 years I was a rice eater. <laughs> That's my age. No? 55 years a rice eater. And then one day, I decided no more rice. And for a Mallu to say no more rice, because all his life is connected with all those things that are added to that rice, that fish curry and those thorns and that yellow curd. And then at the end, for me, every day is on him. You have to have your curd and your banana and your sugar and everything. That was special sugar, which is jaggery, refined jaggery, okay? Everything. And one day, all is over. And I haven't touched rice for two weeks now, ten days now. It's over. And I know it's over. <laughs> Unless I'm on mission, it's over. So you can make a choice, it's not difficult. Now why is forgiveness so difficult? If you can break a 55-year-old habit in one day, or a 36-year-old habit in one day, why is it so difficult? Why do people make it so difficult? Because you're confusing reconciliation with forgiveness. Now please remember, in intimate relationship, you have need to have a reconciliation. But in certain cases, reconciliation may take make take time, but you consistently forgive. Consistently forgive. It is, it is, that's what Jesus is saying. When you stand praying, if you remember your brother, your sister, your sister is your wife, closer sister is your wife, that's why, that's why Abraham married his sister, so that your wife is your closest sister, father of faith, okay? Your father, sister, your husband is your closest brother and neighbor. Okay. Many couples live like neighbors. Okay. So you have no control how they will respond. But you have control of how you will respond. That's your will. So please don't confuse forgiveness with reconciliation. Forgiveness is a sovereign act of one person. I choose to forgive. Because I need to move with God. Like I said, it's, you can call it selfish, whatever you want, but that's a sovereign decision you make. I choose to. So Joseph chose to forgive his brothers. 21 years before he met them, he had already forgiven them. He chose to forgive Potiphar and his wife. Because God is with him in the prison. He chose to forgive the butler who forgot about him for three years. He chose to forgive everybody. They all sinned against him because he had blessed them and they did not even do one good thing back to him. 
Okay, he was a blessing to his father, to his brothers. He was a blessing to Potiphar. He was a blessing in this to this guy who was released. He was a blessing to everybody. He did not harm anybody. He's the one person in the Bible everybody sinned against, and he didn't sin against anybody. But the thing is that he chose to forgive, and therefore he moved ahead with God. And people don't realize people are saved; they are not moving ahead with God, and it is going to affect their eternity. It's going to affect their eternity. You know, it's going to affect their eternity. And it, it's like sports. You know, you will see some players, they start with a bang and then they go like uh, Vinod Kamble. And if you look at Vinod Kamble and all, one of the fundamental problems is they will never listen to their coach once they become a star. You know, become a star. But you look at those guys who had the extended careers till the end, they listened. They listened. Because they knew I may be the best player in the team, but my coach sees my defects, which I don't see. He sees. Because he's been trained for that. No, trained for that. And that's what people need to realize. I have to move with God. Salvation is a journey. I have to finish my race. And one of the fundamental blocks is not lack of money. It's not lack of education. It's not even sickness in your body. None of, it's none of these things which mankind put so much effect on. What to eat, what to drink, what to wear. It's none of these things. It's not even your enemies. The greatest men in God's kingdom were had uncountable enemies. Look at anybody in the Bible who were the greatest in the Bible. Moses, David, Jesus, Paul. They all ended up at the end of the sphere. <laughs> Literally. But you look at all four of them. They are unbelievably forgiving. So they finish their race. And God is talking about this thing. Don't confuse forgiveness with reconciliation. Leave reconciliation to God. God is the God. He's the only person who can bring two people together. What is that I can do? I cannot pull somebody to me. What I can do is release that person. I choose to forgive the harm he has done to me. It's only God who can change hearts and have peace between Jacob and Laban. Don't touch my boy. Leave him alone. Okay. The God of your father appeared to me. I'm leaving you alone. It is only God who can bring reconciliation between Jacob and Esau. It's God. Reconciliation is the work of God. That happens on the cross where God reconciles the Jew and the Gentile. All mankind. But what do I do? What is the choice that I have? I can choose to let go. Forgive. It doesn't matter how how much you were oppressed. We are not talking about reconciliation that we don't get because abused victims are there all around the world and especially to the people who we minister. You've been abused like no man's business, right? As a child. You've been abused, sexually abused, molested. All these people are there. God is not saying go and shake hands with them. No, you don't have to do that. God is saying, let them go in your hearts. Release them. Lord, I choose to forgive that person. And you will move with God. You will move with God. So please remember, first, you are not pretending. You are not playing games. It is a fact. It happened to you. You are not regressing it. You are bringing the wound open out there and allowing it to heal. Okay? You are not pretending. You are not regressing. You are facing it. And you choose to forgive. 
that person. Second, you're not making excuses for that, that what the person did. Don't make, don't make to whitewash it. That's a lot of people do. You know, especially what happens, you know, especially women. Women. They will stay in very abusive relationships. Oh, at least when he's sober, he's so kind. They never acknowledge the other side and face it. Don't make excuses. No. Oh no, my son, he will come back. Okay, after all, he's a teenager. Let him smoke some pot. No. 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 Okay, they make excuses. And it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Okay, it doesn't work. You don't make excuses. We do not, by our actions, say that we approve of sinful behavior. We choose to forgive. Okay, the prodigal son's father forgave. That's why he received him that way. But he never approved of his behavior. Never approved of his behavior. Forgiving. The day he left, the father had forgiven. He didn't wait for the son to come back to forgive. Then he would have been an angry, bitter old man. Like many old people in Hindi movies, you will never enter in through them. I just think I will never see my face even when I die. I don't want to see your No, the prodigal son's father is not like that. You want to go? Here, before you go, take a check also. Here. This is your inheritance. You can go. I forgive you. And I'll wait for you. I love you. I love you. I have forgiven you. Okay? So he doesn't make excuses. And then, forgiveness is not reconciliation. Son, son, don't go away. Okay, okay, I was very hurt when you said that, but I forgive you. Now please stay. Why do you want to go to this faraway country? Please. Why do you want a faraway country? Stay in my house. Whatever you want there, I will provide it in your room. Please stay here. That's not reconciliation. That's not reconciliation. That's compromise. That's tolerance. Okay? So God is not talking about reconciliation as forgiveness. Forgiveness is something which you choose to do. Fourth thing. Forgiveness does not mean you are giving up on justice. You're giving up on justice. You are not. No? Done? Okay. So the fourth thing is, forgiveness is not giving up on justice. Are you getting the picture? Okay. Let's go to Romans 12 and verse 19. So that let me explain this to you. Romans 12 and verse 19. Beloved, do not avenge yourself, but rather give give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Okay, what is God saying here? When you are forgiving, the problem is, we will try to say that, uh, I want justice. I want justice. But the problem is, Often we are motivated by revenge. Motivated by vengeance. There's a day of judgment coming, day of justice coming. And often in most of the situations in which we are involved in, which we are talking about, we don't know how to bring forth justice. Let me tell you this, no sin will ever go unpunished. Either in this life, the life to come. 
nothing will go unpunished. That's the nature of God's law. It will never go unpunished. Okay. And even if you think you have gone unpunished, it's because you have repented from your heart and Jesus took the punishment. There's nothing under the law that is unpunished. So when you say, I forgive somebody, you're not giving upon justice. Let's go to Second Samuel chapter 12 and verse 13. Why this is important in relationships. So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. I have sinned. And Nathan said, the Lord has put away your sin. You shall not die. Now look at verse 14. However, however, because by this deed you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also who is born to you shall surely die. So he told him, however, something will happen. Okay. Why I am saying is this. Murder, rape, theft, all kinds of violence. Violence to the person, or violence to somebody's property, or violence to somebody's name. Different kinds of violence is there. Okay. Person, name, property. Okay. The victim can choose to forgive, but the law will take its own course. Okay. You have no handle over that. The law will take its own course. Sometimes the victims are caught when they are living. And if they escape the clutches of the law here, they will be caught on the clutches of the law on the other side. It is better they get caught on the clutches of law here. People who are never caught will say, I am smart. You are not smart. You are a fool. Because if you were caught and put in the prison, maybe you would have repented and encountered God. If Because you were never caught on the other side, you cannot escape. And there it is only judgment. And it is solitary confinement in unending fire with worms added. No? So when you are talking about forgiveness, you are not giving upon justice. Especially in the home. When you forgive your children, that doesn't mean you do not discipline them. You do not discipline them. You forgive your children for this. Thing. Okay. Let us say a teenager or somebody did something directly against what you said. And then comes and says, I'm sorry. And he said, forgiven. But no pocket money for one month. Well, that's not fair. I forgave you. <laughs> You ask for forgiveness, but you have to learn a principle, a discipline. Every action has its consequences. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. And I want you to learn the lesson that you don't go this route again. Like I said, he learned this lesson. David learned this lesson in that particular area where he used to fall. And he never went that area again. So he needed a one good solid spanking. He learned this lesson. Was he forgiven? Yes, you are forgiven. God is treating David as a son. God is treating David as a son. Okay. Whoever he accepts as a son, he disciplines. He didn't discipline Saul. He also said the same words, I have sinned. But he was justifying, making excuses for his behavior because of the people. He made excuses. If he had just said, I have sinned, I am gay. That's not what he said. He made excuses. 
So be very careful you don't make excuses. That's the problem. Okay, husband is violent or something with his wife. I'm sorry, honey. Lord, forgive me. Not that you provoked me. That's not the issue here. Maybe she provoked you. But that's not the issue here. Her provocation and you becoming physically violent are two different things. They provoked him. Jesus. And he blessed them back. Blessed them back. He didn't, he didn't uh, retaliate. Okay? So don't make these mistakes. So forgiveness in relationship does not mean you are giving, giving up on justice. Then behavior doesn't change. You have forgiven the person. You have forgiven the person. But the problem is I cannot trust you until your behavior has changed. Behavior has changed. People will talk about the prodigal son. Oh, but look at him, how he came back. Did the father forgive him? Yes. Did he give him the best coat? Yes. Did he put shoes on his feet? Yes. Did he give him a ring? Yes. And what did he tell the elder son? All that I have is yours. All that I have is yours. Usually when a father divides his property, when they are living, they divide it three ways. That's how it is done. Even when they go, sir, one stays with the mother so that she is not disinherited. And when she dies, she gives it to whichever one she wants to. The father's property has to be divided equally between the children and the mother. That's the law. The mother can give it to anybody she wants. The children cannot claim the mother's property as according to the law. They can claim the father's property. Okay? So that's how they do. So it says he divided it between the two, but if you look at it logically, divided meaning two-thirds of it, he divided it and he had a property. But he's telling the son, he's lost. He blew it away. You haven't blown it away. So this belongs to you. But I'm upset with you, elder brother, because you are the elder brother. You are, I'm giving you a double portion so that you will take care of the younger one. Instead, you are not even getting in here. There are so many things involved over there. We will not get into that. Okay. So please remember forgiveness does not mean you negate justice. He's forgiven. But justice also comes. Okay. Justice. Now we will not be punished for our sins in eternity. But what you sow, consequences will follow. Consequences will follow. Okay. Consequences will follow. And when does it stop? As soon as you have learned your lesson. It stops. Okay, in your personal life, it stops. But it may go on to your subsequent generations where they have to make that choice. They have to make their choice. Okay, so understand that. Okay? The reason is, uh, don't be emotional about this. Oh, I have forgiven. No, you have forgiven. Leave it. Let the law, God's law, take its own course. Take its own course. Your job is to forgive. Even if it, you are a victim of Jeffrey Epstein, forgive. He may be dead and gone. Forgive him. Forgive his madam, that lady's name, whatever, I forgot her name. Yeah, Maxwell. Forgive, forgive all of them. They picked you up as a teenager or a child. You, still, you forgive them and let the law do what the law has to do. And if the law calls you as a witness, be honest at the stand. But you have to forgive them. You cannot be a hostile witness with vengeance and anger, no. You may get justice in the court, but you won't get justice there. You will be a miserable person. Okay, miserable. But these are the fundamentals you have to understand. Fifth one. 
when it comes to man unlike god forgiving is not forgetting it's something only god can god says i'll remember your sins no more we can ask god the grace to forget so that we can forget okay we can forget and god will give you the grace don't when you counsel people don't say no if you uh, like you know if you forgive you must forget also but you are not god you are not god how we teach them is how do you handle this memories without it hurting you okay you have memories you cannot uh, do anything about those things that's the way god created us god is the only one who says i remember your sins no more and god says he does not remember does he remember or does he not remember if he does not remember what he heard then is he god so we don't get into all that okay but we have to handle these things so forgiving don't confuse forgiving with forgetting the difference is forgetting is one thing meditating and rehearsing is another thing lord give me the grace to forget remember that old joke i used to tell you two men were discussing their wives one said i don't know how to have a discussion with my wife if i try to talk to her anything that upsets me she gets hysterical the other man said your wife is only hysterical my wife gets hysterical everything from the day we started dating she remembers forgetting and meditating are both connected with the mind why i am telling you is that you know like i tell no when you sit with couples with counseling and you will realize where the issue comes the issue comes is with forgiveness it's not with anything that happened with see nobody can do anything more than what humanity has done to each other though you may think mine is so big it's normal as sparks goes up man is born to trouble okay when you get married double trouble okay okay trouble has just multiplied so it's not something big this is there in every marriage but the problem is with forgiveness and the forgetting part with some couples if you notice when they they start fighting right with the in front of the pastor also and you will see one or the other sometimes both they remember every detail from 1980 1981 december you did this 1980 okay and that's the problem the problem is you are meditating upon the wrongs that has been done to you though you say i forgive you are meditating on the wrongs and you know what you are never healed So what is happening is the wrongs are only getting piled up piled up piled up piled up piled up piled up this whole and then one day the marriage breaks They are very good at recitation They can recite a person's wrongs and sins Still remember a case no names being mentioned a spouse so you don't have to know gender after around how many years of marriage 12 or 13 or 
years of marriage is talking about the first year of the marriage. And you know what was that? When you were hanging that frame in our house, new house, I wanted to hang it in this way and you didn't allow me. And this is a divorce couple. The marriage ended up in divorce. And the other spouse is saying, oh, I didn't even realize you were upset with that. I didn't even realize you were upset with that. You have no clue how people talk about the elephant having a great memory. <laughs> you have to see married couples' memory. Parents. No, parents. No, children have grown up, gone abroad, or got out this thing. No, they have a whole list. Whole list. No. It's called the book of sacrifices. I did this sacrifice in this year, 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 this year. Now, imagine God's book of sacrifices. <laughs> if you were to remind us. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5. Love does not behave rudely, does not see. Oh. Yeah, that is, is it 5 or 6? Must be. First Corinthians 13, please read children again and again and again because we don't even know what love is. Yeah, just go to NIV. That's what it means, things no evil. Okay, just go to NIV so it makes the translation a little. Yeah, 5, even to 4, yeah. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. I like that translation. Hmm? Love is not like Mark Antony's speech. The good that people do is oft interred with their bones. But the evil lives after them. No? After them. You can walk out of any relationship can break under the sun. But you can walk out or move ahead with a conscience that is clean. If you choose not to keep a record. It suffers long. But keeps no? No. It keeps no record of wrongs. No record of wrongs. No record of wrongs. Now, it does not mean you do not point out a pattern so that the person can change. Person can change. No, that, that's not offending that person. Offending that person, you are not. Especially, wherever God has given you the authority to judge a man, husband to his wife, parents to children, uh, you are not keeping a record of the wrongs. Like today morning, I was, no, I was an upset, I told my wife. 
Why is it that when you come downstairs, you don't bring your phone down? Because I call you, call you, call you, don't pick because you'll walk up and down the stairs three or four times and your knees hurt. And then I call and I panic because I don't want to call on the landline because my mother will wake up. <laughs> okay, so am I being nasty? Am I keeping a record of wrongs? No, because this is a pattern. Change your pattern. At least bring one phone down with you. No. Now, am I becoming historical? No, I'm not becoming historical. No? So, please have to be very, very clear when we say certain things. We, 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 history, we learn from history too. So, with our children, you know, we look at them and we see a pattern. And we say, okay, you know, this is a pattern in you. Now, we are not keeping a record of wrongs because we are offended. Okay, it's like uh, it's like uh, the law system. They have a record. And the judge looks at them and says, "There's a pattern. There's a pattern over here." So that's a different record. Okay, you are not angry. The whole idea is to idea is to save them. That's what the Bible says. The husband is the savior of the wife. The parents act as the savior of their children to save them from perdition, save them from a life of indiscipline. Like when I, you may think I am picking on you, but I know as you grow, and there will be a time comes in your life, you will realize, I wish I had order. I wish I had order. Because a time will come, you will realize you are growing older, your body doesn't cooperate like before, you have only a certain amount of time to finish your race, and that is when order will become so important in life. But then you realize, oh, I wish I had heard, my listened to my father, he also told, I wish to my mother, I listened to my pastor, they all pointed to one thing, you need to have order. And it's very difficult to work on order when you are very, very late. Very, very late. So, now we are talking about different. But we are not talking about that here. Love does not keep a record of wrongs. It does not. So, when you are forgiving somebody, Joseph forgave. He forgave. He didn't say from the well, I heard your voice. You said this. You said that. You said nothing. Nothing. That's not keeping. No? Okay. So, please understand the difference. Okay. Because what happens is, what happens is, if you keep a record of wrongs, then with the wrong motive, because you're hurt, you're offended, resented, what happens is, your mind becomes a garbage bin. You're collecting other people's garbage. It becomes a garbage bin. And what it does to you is that it makes you in God's kingdom dysfunctional makes you in God's kingdom dysfunctional. A lot of become dysfunctional because they have been hurt by so many different people and they now they don't want to do anything for anybody. Okay. So God says, don't keep it. This man, I'll hurt you. Forget, forgive and leave it alone. And next one hurts you. Forgive. This one, forgive. Because every person who is coming to you, I am sending to you, is a new person. Don't take this record of wrongs and take it out on this one. You'll get it wrong. You'll get it wrong. And that person sometimes does not even know what is happening. In so many marriages, that is what happens. And that's one of the things when we counsel, premarital counseling, one of the questions we ask is, are you really ready to get married? Or are you bringing your baggage into your marriage? Your excess baggage? No? 
Because sometimes you look at the husband or the wife, maybe completely innocent or ignorant of the baggage you are bringing. And anything she says or he says, you are reacting because of that baggage, because of something somebody else did to you. And while this person is completely innocent, and he has no clue, or she has no clue, why is he behaving like this? Behaving like this. No. We need to realize these are important things in eternity. Where we'll end up in eternity. No. Like I said, one of the fundamental issues people have is the abuse of patriarchy. Patriarchy is from God. God is a patriarchy. But there is so much abuse in patriarchy. And because of abuse in patriarchy, there is this entire set of men, sorry, women, who don't trust men. Don't trust men. Trust men. And that's become a block for them to receive the love of the Father that is restoration. What is restoration? Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, has to take every soul, man, woman, child, wounded, abused, to the Father. It is the Father who heals you. That is the final work of Elijah. He will bring the children to the Father. Okay? And the Father is the one who heals you. But when the Father figure itself is messed up, and the devil messes it up, and you look at things with that frame, you look at God as your enemy. And God is not your enemy. He's your friend. You know, so we have to look at all these pictures about how important this thing about forgiveness is and what God is talking about forgiving. Okay, And like I said, forgiveness is in first and foremost, it is an act of will. And it is a choice of life. Forgiveness is the first act of life you make. Father, forgive me. Lord, I choose to forgive. God said, I choose, set before you life and death. Choose. Okay? Second thing which you need to understand very, very clearly about this, Matthew 6, verse 6, when you forgive. When you pray, go into your room. Right? And Matthew eleven twenty five. And Jesus answered and said, I, Mark 11. Why do I keep going to Matthew? Mark 11, 25. Yeah. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. So two things, you put it together. When you pray, where do you go? Into your room. Meaning, when you forgive somebody for something somebody has done to you, it's between you and God. It's between you and God. Often people make the mistake because the other person may not even have may have an idea he or she offended you. And you don't need to go to that person. <laughs> people don't understand scripture and how relationships are framed. Let us let us say uh, Sammy did something. And uh, Sammy has no clue that I got upset. So I go to Sammy and say, Sammy, I'm so sorry. I was very upset with you yesterday. Okay, now there was no need to say that because Sammy has no clue at all. So I go to God and say, Lord, I'm so sorry that I got offended by Sammy. It's over. But instead I went to Sammy and said, Sammy, I was very upset with you yesterday, so please forgive me. And now Sammy is thinking, I wonder how many times I offend him. <laughs> now is every time I look at him, is he offended? Is he upset with me? No. Lot of times you don't have to go to the other person. The other person may not. 
When Jesus said, when you bring the gift to the altar and you know the other person has something against you. It's a different thing. You know you had a fight. You know you had it. And you know you left your house upset. You fought with your wife and you went to office. And then afternoon, lunchtime, you have office Bible study. <laughs> and that day lottery falls on you. Please take Bible study and you have to pray. And God says, how did you leave your house? How did you leave your house? So that's when you said, give me two minutes. You go out and said, honey, I'm sorry. I know. No? Now, that's a different case. This is a different case. Don't confuse these things. A lot of people make a mess because they don't understand the way of reconciliation. Okay? A lot of times, a lot of people have no clue at all. You know, but they have no clue. They have no clue at all. You know, let's, let's think about it. Simple case, okay? Sami is Ajka Bakra, okay? Sami is driving on the road, okay? Driving on the road and somebody cuts across, okay? And he shouts at that fellow and he goes. Little later, he is, uh, upset. Oh Lord, I shouldn't have said that. Now he is going to the traffic police station and said, Sir, at this time I was going, this vehicle went, can you please find out the, tra- the license plate number because I have to meet that person and say sorry to him. Think about it. That's how people do stuff. They go the extreme legalistic way. God is not talking about, other fellow has forgotten, he is not even bothered. Now, you go the, this is how the devil messes you up. He takes you into the way of legalism. God gives one law, Pharisees will make 300 subsections. God said, when you get into your room, shut the door, and if you have anything against somebody, forgive. That's all. That's all. It's over. It's over, okay? And how do you know? Because the Spirit of God will remind you. Remind you. Remind you. That's how you do it. That's, imagine otherwise the kind of mess you land up. A lot of people have done it, have come and said, Arnie, why did you have to do it? No, you know what? I was very upset with my manager, team manager. So um, Monday I went to the office and told, Sir, I was very upset with you. I was very angry with you. And he says, After that, the manager doesn't talk to me at all. <laughs> What was the need? Manager said something. You were offended, but you didn't show anything. Now you are becoming a very devout Christian and you realize, oh, I was very angry in my heart with the manager. Tomorrow I need to go and tell him, sir, I am very sorry because in my heart I carried so much offense. God says, don't do all that kind of nonsense. You just come to me and clear it with me. People do all these kind of nonsensical things and they don't realize why they are messed up. No. So please understand pattern. This is how it works. This is how forgiveness works. It's an act of will. Second, when you enter into your secret place, shut the door and it's between you and God because most of the time, the other person does not even know. Sometimes even your own spouse doesn't know that you're offended with that person. Doesn't know. Especially if it's my wife. She has no clue whether I'm upset or not. Look, she walks in these clouds, praising and worshipping God and praying anything. Even I'm offended, she doesn't even know. (laughs) 
she doesn't even know. So, five minutes later, mine is also forgotten. We have no record. Okay, yesterday's record we cannot remember. Forget one year back or two year or five years back. There is no record. But on the other hand, every day you say I was offended with you, offended with you, then you will think, I have offense your husband. <laughs> he seems to be offended by everything. The problem is you become the kind of person to whom nobody can communicate because around you people have to walk on eggshells because you are very offended by anything. So God says, just let go, let go. This is the healing process. This is the healing process. And I'm telling you, I'm talking to all my children around India, especially in New York and all, all of you were abused. Physically abused, sexually abused, emotionally abused, verbally abused. All of you want to get married. See that you are healed before you get married. Otherwise, you will take it into your marriage. God may give you the nicest, kindest guy or lady, but you are never able to receive their love because you have a wounded soul inside so anything that person says, you react that way. And the person has no idea. Why are you reacting that way? And he is not your oppressor. He is the person God has sent to redeem you. He's not your oppressor. He's the person who will save you from yourself. And the hands of God who will heal your wounds. And you have to be very careful about it. Very, very careful about it. And that's what God is talking about. And people don't realize most issues in life can be settled between God and you. If you have any doubt about it, look at the life of Joseph. He settled all his issues with God and him. Issues with his father, issues with Potiphar, his ten brothers, issues with Potiphar and his wife, issues with the guy who forgot him in the prison, his interpretation, he dealt everything with God. Because he dealt with God and his conscience was clean and his soul was not wounded, he could be a blessing to his father, he could be a blessing to his brother, he could be a blessing to the prisoner and be a blessing to Egypt and a blessing to all nations who came to Egypt. Therefore, God, the Pharaoh said, anybody come, go to Joseph. The question this is, can God send people to you? God is the one who sends people. But can he send them to you? Can he send people to you? It's a question God is asking. And that's what we have to look at. That's our actual ministry, that we are a blessing. And the only way you can be a blessing is you choose to forgive. Third rule is, tell it to the other. If you think they need to hear it. Tell it to the other person you have forgiven them. Only if you think they need to hear it. Sometimes people need to hear it. God will tell you. Right? Jacob needs you here. You are forgiven. Your destiny will change starting today. No longer will be Jacob. Running, deceiving, running, deceiving. You will be Israel. You need to hear it. You know? A man has been brought down. He needs to hear it. Jesus can say, pick up your mat and walk. But he knows he needs to hear something else. Pick up your mat and walk. Your body is whole. Your sins are forgiven. You are whole. Okay. Sometimes people need to hear. Okay. Let God tell you. No. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. You know. 
But sometimes people don't have to know. So it's not that every time you don't have to. There will be times when God will tell you how you need to deal situations. That is the discernment the Holy Spirit Spirit gives. And God goes beyond the body. He goes to make you whole. That's the whole idea. He goes to make you whole. So Jesus finished the uh, Sermon on the Mount and when he comes down the mountain, as a leper comes and says, Lord, Master, if you're willing, you can make me clean. What did Jesus have to say? You're clean. You go, show the priest. That's all he has to say, right? But he doesn't do that. Come here, Peter. You know? You're not a leper, Peter. You're just an example. We're all lepers, okay? You know what he did? He touched him. He touched him and said, go, you're healed. You're clean. Why did he touch him? Because nobody has touched him for years. Let's imagine he's, he became a leper after he got married and then he's out of his home, out of his family, out of his community. All he has known is lepers for the past, say, 20 years. Nobody has touched him. Nobody has touched him. The first thing he needs for his body is cleansing, but the first thing he needs for his soul is somebody who is not leprous to touch him. I accept you. I receive you. I accept you. I receive you. And that's our God. That's our God. You know, that's our God. And you will see this with consistently with Jesus Christ. You will see He will go to affirm somebody. Okay? Samaritan woman, five husbands, sixth one is a boyfriend living. He goes there. Why does he have to wait there to affirm? You? I haven't rejected you. I understand. You got this pattern. Pattern. You're a wounded person. You know what? You're drinking from Jacob's well. I like something about you. The fact that you haven't given up, still looking for love. You've given up on the institution of marriage, but you haven't given up on love. I like that. You still are looking for a relationship. I'll tell you, it's only one relationship that will make you whole. That's your relationship with me. After that, you will have a wholesome relationship. Anybody who is not made whole by God cannot have a wholesome relationship. So the seventh one has come to meet you. And he will not condemn you. But he will point out. He's not keeping a record of wrongs. He knows your wrongs. He's not bringing out the record of wrongs to condemn you. No. He's bringing the record of wrongs so that he will know this is who you are, this is what made you, and now he'll take it away and make you whole. From now onwards, you will not go out and talk about what the first husband did. You will not talk about what the second husband did. You will not talk about the third one did. You will not talk about the fourth one did. You will not talk about the fifth one did. You will not talk about the sixth boyfriend. You will go out and talk about me who set you free. That's what will happen to you. We'll talk about the seventh one. No? Seventh one. But you cannot go out until you have to know, I have forgiven you. I have forgiven you. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. Hmm? That? The devil doesn't like the message. Maybe I should switch to prosperity. Internet will suddenly come back. But internet is there, okay? Hmm? Okay? So the rule is, 
the rule is don't tell don't tell but sometimes you have to tell if it is between you and god between you and god but if god says it is between you and me and then you and the other person you need and sometimes you need to tell the other person i have forgiven you i have forgiven you you are forgiven telling especially in marriages especially in marriages where they are fighting to save the marriage where especially let us say one partner has been unfaithful and you are trying to put the marriage together and let's say the husband was unfaithful or the wife was unfaithful and you are trying to put it together the one who was unfaithful need to hear you are forgiven otherwise reconciliation won't take place reconciliation cannot take place that person who are it was has to hear you are forgiven you have forgiven okay you are forgiven i am strange okay when i have couples sitting with me and when i hear this kind of stuff and people online and different places let us say a couple is sitting not a couple or a person comes a wife or woman comes or a man comes and they come and tell me pastor i have to tell you what happened i had an affair i said is it over It's over. It's done. Done. So what do I do? I said, "He made peace with God." Yes. So should I tell my husband or should I tell my wife? I said, "First, tell me about your husband or tell me about your wife." The reason is, ideally, if your husband is a very spiritually mature person who can handle it, you should tell. But if he cannot handle it, your marriage is over. If your wife is a spiritually strong mature person if she can handle it okay but if she cannot handle it your marriage is over so don't jump the gun wait have you put it right with god yes is it over over will you ever go back no you want to reconcile with your wife okay then go with god first go with god first because a lot of counselors will say no you have to go and tell him two weeks later they have filed for divorce it's over you have to be very wise how you handle people because a lot of people cannot handle pressure cannot handle these kind of things can handle these kind of things okay handle these kind of things so you have to be very very careful about what you say it's not a large frame read scripture very very carefully about how things happen read it very very carefully because the whole idea is to bring reconciliation reconciliation with god everything has to be open and plain and spoken and spoken even in cases where unfaithfulness has taken place and reconciliation is taking place and then uh, two situations one is uh, when two people get married and uh, maybe the man and the woman before they got married had boyfriends and girlfriends and whatever this thing or unfaithfulness took place one of the fundamental things which i tell them when i'm counseling is this <coughs> don't go into details don't go into details you don't want to know the details it doesn't help you where did you go with him which hotel which room what happened you don't want to know it it is not going to help you it will just torment you just blanket forgiveness i don't want to know i don't want to know 
I don't want to know. When we do marital counseling, I said, don't, when you get married, when you go on your honeymoon, tell me about all your girlfriends, how close were you, when did you start? I don't want to know. It's the new beginning. I don't even want to know whether you had a girlfriend. I don't want to know whether you had a boyfriend. I don't want to know. Don't short-circuit your marriage or your relationship right at the beginning. Before it starts. We don't want to know. None of these things help you. No, we have to be open. No, this is not open. There is nothing open about these things. Have you put it right with God? Yes. Is it over? It's over. What God has forgotten, why are you reminding? Why are you bringing it all up? How is it going to help this person? A lot of people have messed their lives because they don't understand fundamental. You're not covering. You have you have uncovered everything before God. And then you're going as God's Spirit is leading you. God's Spirit is leading you. you know? Because the other person now is not becoming a help. It's becoming a stumbling block. Becoming a stumbling block. On the other hand, the other person can be a help. I know about a case where... Uh, this guy uh, was in prison, and when he was in prison, uh, he, he was raped. He became gay. After he became raped, he became gay. After that, he li- started liking the gay lifestyle. Though he was straight when he was outside, after three years, when he is released, and uh, he meets this woman. And that other part of him is still there. He falls in love with this woman. But when it comes to the sexual part, he realizes, I am attracted to this side. And then when he is counseled, the counselor says, you need to be upfront with the woman. And tell her, you love her? Yes, I love her. But I, I cannot marry her. I want to marry her, but I am scared to marry her because this side of her. He said, be upfront. Is she, how is she? She's a very strong, godly woman. Tell her. And once he told her, she helped his recovery. His recovery. You meet people like that. Meet people like that. Who will help you to come out of a lifestyle. But then that person should be strong enough to be able to carry your burden. Your burden. No, your burden. Some people are not. That's what I said. David had all these wives. A whole list is there plus concubines. And then there is Bathsheba. Starting with Michal all the way to Bathsheba. Who was the strongest? Bathsheba. She was the strong. What the devil meant for harm, God turns it around for good. Bathsheba was the real wife he had. She covers her son from all the weaknesses of the father. Never mentions what David. If there was one wife of David, who should have been really offended with David? It should have been Bathsheba. But she never. She never mentions David. How do you know? Because of the honor in which Solomon regards his father. My father, my father, my father. On the other hand, if she had been a weak woman and told his son about all the junk his father had done, Solomon would have been a mess. There would have been no temple. There would have been no temple. So we need to understand these things. These things. So Bethsheba realizes, you know what? Yes, he harmed me. He did all this to me. But you know, it dies with me. It will not go beyond my lips. It will not go. It dies with me. Nobody will know the details of what happened. If it goes out from David, that's his problem. It's not going out from me. Not even my children are going to hear. Are going to hear. 
anything about their father. They are not going to hear. And we have to look at relationships that way. And say, Lord, you know, and then when you realize, you hear today's message and realize, oh, Lord, I goofed up in all this. Go back to God and say, Lord, I goofed up. I messed up. Put me right, Lord. And God says, forgiven. And then start fresh. That's why we realize the more we know the truth, the more we realize how much we need. We need forgiveness. Fourth thing, you have to speak it out with God. Life and death is in the power of thee. The fact you need forgiveness, the fact you forgive somebody who's renting space in your head, you have to speak it out. Father, in the name of Jesus, I choose to forgive so and so. Hold is gone. Then when the devil reminds, you have to say, I have already forgiven. Speak it out. You have to speak it out. It's important. You speak it out. You cannot meditate in your mind. You have to speak it out. Because life and death is in the power of the tongue. I said before you, life and death. God does it. How do we choose? With our words. We choose. We choose to forgive or choose not to forgive with our tongue. When you say, I will never forgive, that also you spoke it out. So when you say, I forgive, you have to speak it out. You have to forgive it out. Right? So step one is, forgive. You have to forgive. And it's not an emotion. It's an act of will. And it starts at Jerusalem. Husband, wife, home. Step two. Matthew six twenty-eight. Oh, no, 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 not 6. I think it's 5.28. What does 5.28 say? It's not 5.28 also. It's an important thing, so we cannot bury it. It is where... uh, Bless your enemies, do not curse them. Hmm? Yeah. Yeah. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Okay, Don't think about uh, Hitler and all that. Just think about your own home. <laughs> this is where it all happens. Okay, This all happens. Home, church, office. We don't go into international, national sphere and all. It doesn't matter because they don't even know you. But you know the one who irritates you every day, upset with you every day, you're angry with every day. So God says over there, first thing, forgive. Second thing you need to do is you need to bless them. Okay, before you bless them, pray for them. Okay, pray for them. Okay, there's a song, interesting song. Okay, if it's a really funny song, okay, really funny song, which is there on the internet, very old song. The words of that song is very funny. Okay. I pray for you. <laughs> Peter is 
smiling, right? <laughs> you know the lyrics, right? Huh? I pray for you. Everybody knows the lyrics of the song. I pray for you that when you are going downhill, your brakes fail. <laughs> I pray, pray for your enemy. So I'm praying. It's a very funny song, okay? You have to look, go through the whole lyrics. God is not saying pray like that. God is not saying pray like that. The final line of that is that I pray you, you pass out drunk with your best friend and wake up with his and her tattoos. <laughs> okay, I pray for him. That's not what God is talking about. He says, just, just pray. Okay. First forgive. Second, because that's why God's, you, we don't understand God's mind and God's heart. But we don't have to understand. Just believe and obey. See, the ones who trouble us most are the ones who rent our thought space. The ones who have offended us and offense we carry. So to heal us, God says, first forgive. Second, first pray for them. First, first pray for them. No, why should I pray for my enemies? For your sake. For your sake. Pray for them. Okay, pray for them. And after that, Bless them. Don't curse them. Bless them. Forgive them. Pray for them. Bless them. Okay? Because these are the people or this is the person who's tormenting you most. The way out of torment is this is what you do. Forgive them. Pray for them. Bless them. Why? Because when you forgive, when you pray, when you bless, what do you do? You set the prisoner free. Who's the prisoner? You. you. Not the other person. The other person probably has no idea. <laughs> other person has no idea. You are the prisoner. You are a prisoner. Mm-hmm. Like the usual saying, unforgiveness is a poison you drink to kill somebody. <laughs> you know? So when you forgive, when you pray, when you bless, you are set free. You are set free. And Joseph was the most free man in Egypt. I believe he forgave his brothers. He prayed for his brothers. And he said, Father, bless them, Lord. Bless them, Lord. God said, okay, I will bless them. But you know, Joseph, I'm looking around all the world. There's nobody who blesses. You are the only one who blesses. So I will send them to you. You bless them. So he said, don't take their money. Put their money back in the sack. Give it all free. Give it all free. He blessed them. And then when he revealed them, he spoke kindly to them. And he said, the best place in Egypt is Goshen. I will give you Goshen. You will save safe and secure. And he sent carts and carts and carts to bring his father and his brother's entire household and settled up. He blessed them. Lord, make me a blessing. He said, first start with your lips. You want to really want to be a blessing? Start in your prayer life. Start blessing with your words. And I will make you a blessing. I'll make you a blessing. It does, it did not begin when he was on the throne of Egypt. It was, it happened when he was a slave. He was praying and blessing them. So that when he actually had the power to do it, he became what he always prayed. The problem is we never become what we are meant to become even when we have the power because that was never our prayer life when we did not have the power. We did not have the... What is that we have the power to be now? To pray. 
That is something which nobody can do. Jesus was filled with the Holy Ghost and power and he went out doing good and healing everybody of all of us. But when they took it all off and nailed him on the cross, he still prayed for them. He still prayed for them. The Father, forgive them. God says, this is the way. There's no other way to healing. Whether it's in a personal life, in a marriage, in a home, in a church, in an office. There is no other way. Even for a nation. To be healed. There is no other way. If America has to be healed of his racial class tension, simple. Forgive. Forgive. Each other. That's all. There is no other way. You can't point out to the white man's fault and the black man. It simply won't work. It's not for, You have to forgive. You have to forgive. And the thing is that once you are set free, you will also realize your prayers are answered. You get your answer to When you stand to pray, you are in the secret place. When you stand to pray, what do you want? You want an answer. If you want an answer, you need to have a clear conscience. Otherwise, you will not get an answer. You look at two people in the Bible. One is King Saul, one is David. David always gets answers for his prayers. Up other, bring the effort. Immediately answer. This man was goofed up for 16 months and he asked and you answer it. I have walked right 16 months and you never answered my prayer. Why Lord? He says because he is forgiving and you are not. He is forgiven. But he said, look at his dealings with his enemy Saul. He has forgiven him from his heart. He will not do anything against him. Even when he has the power to kill he uses the power to bless him. Therefore, when he cries, I will answer him. I will answer him. I will answer him. That's what God is talking about. You look at David's life. David always got answers for his prayers. Even after he goofed up with Bathsheba, I have sinned. God said, I have your sins for me. Immediate answer. Nathan doesn't say, I will come back after three days. I need to fast and hear from the Lord what is God's Judgment regarding the city. Immediately God says, tell him I have forgiven him. Because he knows from his heart this man is real. First Samuel 28, 5 and 6. When Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid. His heart trembled greatly. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the God did not answer him either by dreams or by Urim or by the prophets. No prayer. No answer. The most darkest day of King Saul's life. King Saul's life. Darkest day of King Saul's life. He desperately needs an answer. He prays. No answer. Why, you know? He was an angry, bitter, unforgiving man. And his unforgiving thing also is is a figment of his imagination. He thinks David has wronged him. David hasn't wronged him at all. Some people walk around with this unforgiveness in their heart saying that this person has done when the other person has done nothing to them. They imagine it. Imagine it. And that's how he's going around. That is what brought end of Saul. 
That's why this is the most important thing because forgiveness will define ultimately your relationship with God. Who you end up in eternity. Like I said in the beginning, if you look at any of the greats in the Bible, Joseph in terms of exaltation, Joseph, Moses, David, Jesus, Paul, what is similar about all of them? They walked in. They had enemies innumerable, if not everybody. But they forgave everybody and walked consistently in forgiveness. Right? As we close, First Corinthians 15.4 The reason is, a lot of people Oh, not 15, 13.4 Can I have NIV? Because NIV sometimes, yeah, that's fine. Love suffers long and is kind. You see, one of the biggest issues Christians, we are talking to Christians. Christians' mind have been messed up by the world. The world preaches a love which is made in China, which is fake. Okay? Which is fake. The love which it's, it's all emotions. It's all, it's all outward. All outward, it's all fake, it is all emotions. It's all got to do with feelings. Feelings. It is not real. Real is given from 1 Corinthians 13, 4 onwards and Romans, different places, wherever love is mentioned, mark it, go and meditate on it. The first thing he's saying is, uh, can I have, uh, yeah, go back to the old one. Love suffers long. What does it mean? It's talking about a relationship. It suffers. One person is unkind. Unkind consistently. But is, in reaction, is kind. Response is, Kindness. You think about a person. Okay, think or think you are a girl. Okay, girls are the ones you are usually caught in this trap. Think in this girl. You are a girl. And you meet this hero six feet three with blue eyes and all that. And he's in his own world and you are in love with him. Because you think that is the man of my dreams. And there is this other person. And this other person. And you look at all this person and you realize there is this, this person who is who likes you, but you're, but whatever you do, this person is always kind to you. Always kind to you. But you're not interested. Because you have this Hollywood, Bollywood picture of what love is. It's all feelings. Okay. People don't even understand what love is because they have never understood the truth because we, we have swallowed the fake. Bible says love suffers long. Suffers long. Why should love suffer long? Because the one, the object of your love is unkind. But what is your response? You are? You are kind. What does it mean? You are a forgiving person. You are not a wounded person. You are a forgiving person. All you get is wounds. That's what it means, suffers long. You get wounds. But what do you do? Give back. Is kindness. What you give back is kindness. That's God. We wound him every day. Every day we wound him. What do we get back in return? Kindness. It's kindness. It's kindness. And that's the nature of a forgiving person. The forgiving person is a person who's wounded. But his response is kindness. You look at Joseph. Wasn't he wounded? Wasn't he wounded? Didn't he? Everybody who came to him, 
Were they not recipients of his kindness? Even when he talked harshly, he was kind in action. Harshly to bring them to the reality of their guilt. But he was always kind. Moses, 80 to 120, what a record for 40 years. So unbelievable kindness with a set of people who wounded him, his brother, his sister, his wife, his sons, his deacons, his whole congregation. Only kindness. Imagine if you're a pastor, if people won't like you and then they are in trouble, you'll say, Pastor, will you please pray for me? I don't want to see your face again. <laughs> but if they need anything, they have to go back to this man. Because only when he prays, God answers. Where do they go? Even God is irritated with them and he's standing in the gap. Lord, Lord, Lord please, 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 one more chance, one more chance, Lord. Please, Lord, please, Lord. What a man! No wonder God could speak to him face to face. And think about David. Right? Think about Jesus. Think about Paul. That's why Timothy's letters to Timothy and all. No? In the first defense, nobody came. He's not hiding the fact, oh, maybe they were busy. <laughs> they could have come. They should have come. I gave my life for them. They are all entering in the kingdom because of me. I'm not denying. He told Philip, you, he told in letter to Philemon, right? He told him, you owe my, your life to me. I could demand from you. You owe my life to you. Okay. But I'm not. I'm asking you as a friend, a prayer, please. So he could have said, he said, no, I'm not making excuses for the behavior. But the fact is that nobody turned up. But I forgive them. I don't hold it against them. I forgive them. I let go. I'm not going to carry this. Very soon I'll be gone. I'm not going to hold any of these things in my heart. No? That's what. Don't confuse these things. Now, all those who heard, you will not get all the concepts in one hearing. Go back and listen. Keep a notebook. Write it down. Write down the points and say, Lord, take me through this process. That's where I am able to be reconciled to you. There's no guarantee you'll be reconciled to every brother or every sister you offended or who offended you. But there's absolute guarantee that if you follow this, you will be reconciled and you can walk with God. You can walk with God. You can walk with God. Absolute guarantee you can walk with God. And that's the whole idea. The purpose of salvation is that we will walk with God and with man. But man, that's a limitation. So God says, peace with God. And as far as possible, can we can we find that place? Yeah, it's Hebrews, right? Yeah. Mm. That's all it says, see? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, can we have it in uh, NIV? Got it? If it is possible, as far as it depends on you... So what do I need to do? Forgive. As far as possible with you, live at peace with everyone. Okay, as far as possible. With God, it's possible. With man, as far as possible. <laughs> mm-hmm. As far as possible. With man, with God, possible. It's nothing impossible. You can walk with God. With man, he says, as far as possible. As it depends on you. Where it is dependent upon you, not on the other person. Other person may never forgive you, even if you go and tell. Leave it alone. Live with peace with him. That's how it works. Right? That's how the cross speaks. Amen?
Let's pray. Father, we just come to you once again, Lord. We just thank you. We just praise you. We just worship you, Lord. We just want to say, Father, we experience as my wife speaks, buckets and buckets of mercy and grace from you every day. And help us to pour out buckets and buckets of mercy and grace every day into the lives of others, Lord. We receive comfort from you. Help us to pass that comfort that we have received, Lord. To be forgiven and to forgive is divine. It's the closest we will come to the image of Christ Jesus. Not in acts of power, but in acts of mercy. Are we closest to God and to royalty? Let us never forget it, Lord. And I pray, Father, as your children who have heard, draw near to God and put that first brick in that altar, the brick of forgiveness. First receiving forgiveness from God and the second brick, receive forgiving others and receiving forgiveness from others. They will see. They can hear from God clearly. They can walk with God clearly. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I speak peace. And I speak rest into every soul. Let the balm of Gilead flow. Heal their soul and heal their body. Let people today hear your sins are forgiven. Let people pick up their mat and walk. Let both happen, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen.